Hello and welcome to another episode of Dice Exploder. Each week, we take a tabletop RPG mechanic and aspirate its chest cavity. My name is Sam Donawald, and my co-host this week is Wendy Yu. Wendy fucking rocks. I first read her work as part of the like 200 games I read in a month while acting as a judge for the 2022 The Awards, and it was just unforgettable. Here, there, be monsters. The title alone would do it, but this thing is dripping with unforgettable art and prose and voice. Here's the opening line. I will say this as bluntly as I know how. I am a transsexual, and therefore, I am a monster. She's so unapologetically anti-capitalist, Brazilian, punk, and just gay as fuck. I don't love the ways marginalized people are in some ways expected and required to disclose themselves like this in their art, but this is a game that's so much about shouting your monstrousness from the rooftops. And to get a little personal, I see so much of my own beautiful, grotesque, beloved, and monstrous body in this game. It's not a text that you're going to forget. So I was giddy to have Wendy come co-host this episode with me. Wendy brought in Fate Points and Aspects from Fate by Rob Donahue and Fred Hicks of Evil Hat. This surprised me at first. To me, Fate feels like the polar opposite of Wendy's work. Somewhat bland and voiceless, even if it's elegant and classic, and one of the most important games in my own growth through the hobby. I have such a love-hate relationship with it. But it turns out Wendy does too. She talks about how Fate's influence still works its way into everything she makes, despite all the ways it's disappointed her. I love these mixed bag episodes, they're so good. This also marks the beginning of a strong theme that's going to run through this season of Dice Exploder. The flavor of a game is just as much a mechanic, it's just as much a part of the game's design as any rule. So hold that thought in your head maybe through these next few episodes. With that, let's get to it. Here is Wendy Yu with the Fate Point Economy. Wendy, welcome to Dice Exploder. Thanks for being here. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to be here. Yeah. So what what have you brought for us today? I have brought fate and the fate points and aspects mechanics. Every character has aspects that are things that describe the character. Actually, everything in fate can have aspects. Situations can have aspects. Objects can have aspects. So the book gives the example, manners of a gold or smashing is always an option. I played for a long while a character that was a kung fu wizard. A great aspect. It's a great Yeah, I always like to give on fire as an aspect to an object in a scene. Really classic fate. It's a classic. Yeah. 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 And fate points are the economy of the system. Everything revolves around fate points. A fate point is a token. You can use a fate point when you invoke one of your aspects or a situation aspect or an aspect of one object that is present at a scene to take control of the narrative. Mm -hmm. That's basically the premise. For example, you have the aspect always prepared. So I have this book here that teaches how to disarm a bomb. And you pay a fate point and you, oh, I have this book here and I know how to disarm a bomb. And you get plus two or a re-roll on your roll to disarm the bomb. Yeah. That's yeah. basically it. Yeah. And so then 
compels work in kind of the other direction. Yes, exactly. The compel is how you earn fate points, right? The compels are a way of losing control, quote unquote, over the narrative. The GM offers you fate points. So you are compelled by your aspects, the things that define your character, to do things that put you in a disadvantage in a way. So if you're smart as maybe you try to prove you're smarter than the judge that's judging you, and then you're in trouble. Yeah. But you can control yourself. You're compelled by your nature. Yeah. So when the GM is like, hey, you want to get yourself fucked up a little bit because of one of your aspects? Here's a fate point for it. That's yeah. the compel. So why did you want to bring on fate points and aspects and like the whole core loop here? Like, what is it about fate that's interesting to you? So first of all, fate may be the game that I've played and ran the most hmm. in my Okay, there's been years since I've played and ran it, but <laughs> in my teenage years, I've played it a lot. And it's one of my biggest influences still. Yeah. I have a severe love and hate relationship with it. And a lot of my game design choices for my latest game and my biggest game came from like trying to make it work for me yeah. in a not love-hate relationship. Yeah. It, it has influenced me a lot, I think. Even the things I don't like have influenced me in a way. Yeah. I have a really similar relationship with fate where, you know, I, I grew up through high school not knowing there were role-playing games other than Dungeons & Dragons, basically. And then I, like, got to college and someone showed me Fiasco, and I was like, oh my gosh, free form role play. Like, this is amazing. Like, you don't have to just do Dungeons and Dragons. Like, you can do Coen Brother movies. Like, I'm in film school. This is the best mm -hmm. thing that's ever happened to me. And that investigating other games like that led me to fate. And again, I like got to fate and was like, my mind has been blown. You don't have to have all this like clunkiness around your system. You can really just have flavor, like the words that describe your character and the situation be the mechanics and that was so cool that was such a like revolutionary idea to me and then the more i played it the more i was like i don't really like this and i'm not sure why and i and so i like left exactly. it behind yeah and I, exactly. I i think i understand why a lot better now like 10 years after having left it behind uh -huh. But let's start with all the stuff that we like about it first. I, I think it's it's more interesting to do that. So what it, what are your like favorite parts of the fate system and aspects and fate points? Okay, first of all, I had a very similar experience to you. I started not by D and D, but Pathfinder, mm -hmm. and so then that's just D and D, fucking... but like five years later, you know, like yeah, Tholotech. And then, like, Macdon and mm -hmm. all those crunchy, lots of number games. And then my friend brought us Fate. And Fate has a really strong community in Brazil, actually. Lots of translated content, lots of original content. And that also blew my mind. Yeah. And I think that freedom that it shows you can have is one of the best things about it. 
the thing about aspects about you can translate your character into those those phrases that describe them and that are mechanically significant that really really interested me at the time and i also spent a lot of time like i don't like it but i'm not really sure why that doesn't really work for me yeah and, and that really intrigued me as well yeah because it should work i know i know but yeah like the the thing you were describing just there of turning the phrases that are important about your character into mechanics is so interesting right like i don't care about Dungeons and Dragons two page long rules for polymorphing or like turning into a bear or like whatever thing it is that the druid can do. But in fate, when you can just write down animal shapeshifter, it's like you, exactly. you just like get all of that, like in the one much more like evocative phrase and in this this like wonderful, concise, provocative way. It's much more interesting that your character can turn into a bear than the specifics of like you can turn it to a bear during three turns and then you have to roll plus 15 and then what you know, dice do you have to roll to turn into a bear like all of, i just want to be a bear just let me be a bear and fate exactly. is like you're a bear now go wild or that you have a cursed sword that's an aspect yeah you have a cursed sword that says a lot yeah that totally. can that can be invoked and that can be compelled and that's mechanically significant. Yeah. You know, that opened my mind a lot yeah. when I first found it to a whole lot of possibilities about role-playing games. And I think that's one of the best things about Fate because it was like an introduction to different possibilities. Yeah, it encourages you to think about what makes your person cool and interesting. Yeah, and it's a game about cool and interesting people. Yeah. Cool and interesting things. I mean, this is this is something that's going to come up a couple of times here and more and more as we get into what I don't like about Fate. But Fate is like ostensibly a generic system. Like it's it's setting and genre agnostic ostensibly. And you can see how that would be, right? Like you can easily imagine filling in a bunch of high fantasy Dungeons and Dragons equivalent kinds of stuff for your aspects. Or you can... Like, a thing I actually did was read the rulebook for Shadowrun and say, this is way too complicated, but the setting is great. Let's just play Fate, but do Shadowrun. And it was trivial to do that. It was so easy. But then, in practice, it does have this cool and interesting people only at the center of it. And it has this sort of pulpy, like, we are cool action people who can get the job done and rarely fail, even if sometimes we're getting compelled into tough situations. It has a a mood to it still. Like, it feels yes. high and not low in terms of fantasy, right? It feels, yeah, it feels like it would be impossible for your characters to die unless you really, really tried hard to make that happen. Yes, it's totally for pulpy action games yeah and it's one of the things that started to dawn on me one of my white whales was that i spent years and that actually led to me creating my game system was trying to adapt mage the ascension to mm -hmm. fate mm -hmm. when i was a teenager mm-hmm 
<laughs> and that never happened because it just didn't fit. Yeah. And in theory, it would work perfectly because mage is a mess, mm -hmm. but it's a beautiful mess. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. But yeah, my group could never play it. Yeah. And I wanted, I wanted us to play it. So I thought, why not try and adapt it to fate? Yeah. And it just didn't work because it just didn't fit. Yeah. So what specifically about Mage the Ascension didn't feel like it fit or wasn't working? First of all, I think in World of Darkness in general, as you said, fate is much more high proficiency, mm. high action, low chance of failure. And I think in Mage... Your characters are much more low, low stakes sometimes, but mm -hmm. also low proficiency in what mm -hmm. they're doing, low level, low skills, low understanding of the world around them. <laughs> uh -huh. They are messing with things they don't comprehend, uh, they can die, and something didn't click between those two games. Yeah. And much of the Sheer Therapy Monsters started there when I was a teenager trying to make Mage the Ascension work with Fate and failing to do that. Because, yeah, Mage's characters are much more fallible, I think. Yeah. So let's take the, the flip side of it. What do you think makes Fate good at the pulpy action thing, the breezy, good, competent characters thing? I think there's this power fantasy aspect of like first of all the rules are quite simple in theory they don't get much in the way of just letting you be like a powerful necromancer kung fu wizard fate not only allows you to do that but encourages you to yeah. be a character like that to push that core concept of who you are because you can just write yeah. it down in such a simple way. Yeah, and the fact that you can just spend a token for awesome scenes focused on your character, like yeah. having the spotlight for yourself. Also, there's this mechanic where you can just create advantages and stack those advantages, and that gives you like this endorphin high it's like when you're playing a card game and you just take the the high cards and, yeah. and things go to a climax i think there's some mechanics in it that emphasize that rush of an action movie of things stacking up yeah you know yeah it does my friend who I played Fate with regularly who liked it the least always said that his problem with it was that it felt like on any given roll, you could find some aspects to invoke to get a bonus on the roll. And yes. the bonus was high enough that that made it really hard to fail the roll. And uh -huh. I totally agree with that, basically. Like, I think that is part of what makes it feel so pulpy and actiony. Like, you can always basically just spend a fate point and figure out how to succeed on a roll. And yes. I think my friend who didn't like it was sort of missing that, yeah, you can always find an aspect to like bring into the role, but the act of doing so and the describing of how you are bringing that aspect into the role is the point. Fate is like, 
yeah, it's great if you want to succeed on this role as long as you are describing how like it plays into your character and how you are good at things in order to do that because that's what we want you to do. We want you to talk about how your character looks cool and does the thing well. That's that's yes, like, at the heart of the thing. I think the point is like it's easy to succeed, but the point is it's fun to show us how you succeed. Yeah, exactly. But sometimes it's not that fun, especially with the meta economy and all that. Yeah. We can get to that. <laughs> no, well, let's get to it now. So keep going. Yeah, because I think in the end, it all starts revolving around the fake points economy. Yes. You talked about the genericness of it. And I think that's one thing. Yes, because I believe TTRPGs are, as an art form, one of their specificities is that mechanics exist to emphasize certain experiences, certain feelings, certain, mm -hmm. you know. And so many times, fate's experiences and fate's mechanics feel kind of too generic, bland, they can do just one thing well. Yeah, they're, it's kind of formulaic. Yeah, and they try to make that one thing universal, and yeah. that does not always work. For example, mm, Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. You may like it or not, but it certainly fits a specific theme, a specific gaming experience, a specific vibe or feelings and i could but i wouldn't want to start from that framework to make a game about hugs and yeah little creatures yeah. and friendship you know and that's its deal and it totally works for the specific thing that it's doing right yeah. and i played actually a campaign of afton fellow that uses fate mm -hmm. And it felt very fate. It yeah. did not feel like a Cthulhu game at all. And it also felt very generic and pulpy and sometimes very bland. Yeah. The way you're describing this has made me think of a really interesting comparison. So I wrote in my notes that I think one of the things the fate cycle does is it's really good at regulating that story rhythm of you get into trouble and then you get out of trouble and then you like deal with successive complications but you're right that the way fate does it feels really generic it feels to me almost like like i'm a screenwriter and a problem oh there you go awesome so you can you can feel a lot of the time when writing a screenplay or reading screenplays or watching movies when someone has taken like the hero's journey and just filled in the generic beats like they're doing the thing they're doing it pretty competently but it just doesn't make you feel anything because you felt this story so many times before you're not really changing anything you're ending up with like boring marvel movies for the hundredth time you're ending up with this kind exactly. of flat story that sure it's a formula it's a formula for a reason it works pretty well but where it takes you is something that we've felt a hundred times before and that feels very repetitive and bland because it's it's not new. Exactly. And 
I think there's three things to unpack on what you said. <laughs> First, TRPGs are not just stories, right? Mm -hmm. You're not reading a story, you're not watching a movie, you're playing a game, you're having a group experience, you're in there, you know, mm -hmm. the TRPGs are its own medium. Second, not all stories follow that, yeah. that structure. And third, stories are not just that structure, yeah. even the ones that follow that structure. So even if you follow that structure, there's still something missing. Yeah. And that's how you get boring, bland Marvel movies, for example. Yeah, yeah, totally. Even, even in the past when they were still fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, they still felt repetitive for a reason because they were following the same old formula. Yeah. They worked for a while because they were still fresh for a while. Yeah. 20 years later, not so much. Yeah, exactly. A few campaigns later, fate starts getting bland. It's easy to really quickly eat up everything it has to offer. All the yes. interestingness it has. Yeah. Yes. But I do feel there's another thing that is quite connected to it. That is, it does not actually succeed in what it sets out to do that is letting the mm. narrative shine. Mm-hmm. Totally. Because it kind of bureaucratizes it. Mm. Because sometimes the mechanics try to structure the narrative to allow you to focus on it, but actually they kind of outshine it. For example, mm -hmm. the fate point mechanics to circle back yeah. to what we were talking about there. I think in the end, the game becomes about hoarding fate points to yeah. use later or stacking situation aspects. Every conflict turns out being like creating opportunities and then stacking those situation aspects so yeah. you can have this huge bonus that you can then use to resolve the situation. Yeah. And all ends up revolving around the mechanics that should be there to structure the narrative and allow yeah. the narrative to shine. So, you know, is it about the narrative or is it about mechanics? Yeah, I think that's a big problem of the genericness of the system. Because it's generic, there are so many fewer ways for it to hook into the narrative. So the, the mechanics layer feels really separate from the flavor layer, even though it feels like aspects should make that not true. What you're saying is, is totally right. The flavor, the story all kind of falls away when you're engaging with the mechanics in favor of just trying to win with the mechanics, which is a pretty easy thing to do. You just do the same couple of like invoking aspects for bonuses, setting up advantages, kinds of things. And that's how you solve every problem. So anytime you, you get into a challenge where you're like engaging with the mechanics, it, it's playing the same not very interesting little board game again. Exactly. And that's the opposite of what I think game mechanics should try to accomplish. Yeah. They should be there to create a specific experience that you're trying to create. Yeah. The system matters for a reason. 
you should think about how those mechanics relate to the specific game you're creating. Yeah. I think that's completely tied to the genericness, but I think also that this idea of how they tied the, oh no, let's focus on the narrative mm -hmm. by creating these specific mechanics. I think, I think it failed to achieve what they were trying to do. Yeah. So there's two main other things I want to talk about. And the first is that I think one of the big problems with fate that we haven't talked about yet is just how hard it is to write aspects. My experience always sitting down at the table was that you really want these things to be double-edged. Like you really want to be able to get compels out of them and you want to get invokes out of them. And it's really easy to write just a positive aspect. You just like write down something you're really good at. And it's really easy to get negative aspect. You just write down some sort of horrible flaw that you have. And Fate actually encourages you to write down one of each of those, I think. Like that your core concept of a character is generally just something you're pretty good at. And, you know, the manners of a goat. You can imagine how you might turn that one to your advantage in the right circumstances. But for the most part, it's just like that's there to compel you and get you in trouble. But the rest of the aspects as you're filling them out, maybe it's just that I have very high standards for myself when I was whenever I was writing these. But it, it always felt like you really you want to find that like magical, perfect aspect that is going to be able to hit both of those things. And that is yeah. a really it's like writing poetry. It's really hard to do to write something pithy and double edged in that way that describes who you are and what you want your character to be. Yes. And in just a single phrase. Yeah. It's really hard, but in a way, it's also fun to come yeah. up with. Yeah. And it's so satisfying when you find one, too. Yes. It's one of the things that I used to like the most, actually, about mm. creating the character in Fate mm -hmm. was coming up aspects. But it was also very hard. Yeah. I think when you get rid of the need to have an to think of compelling and invoking and yeah it's it all goes away i think the main problem it all circles back to the fate point economy yeah you know because then you're free to just describe the things that yeah. are important to your character because one thing that i never quite understood is you have aspects in fate but then you have skills yeah. And then you have those stunts that, in theory, they are kind of cool because they let you use skills in different ways. But both aspects and stunts, most of the times, they're just like plus two or a reroll. Yeah. It's kind of disappointing in practice. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Lots of the freedom that you're promised are like, in practice, just a plus two or a reroll. Yeah. When there's so little actual core system, there's just not a lot of mechanics to play around with in stunts, which are basically special abilities, right, from a different game or custom moves. For the most part, all of them were trying to, all the pre-written ones anyway, were trying to tie back to that core loop. But because the only way to do that was 
plus two on your roll or re-roll or whatever. Do the thing that aspects were already doing. They felt pretty samey. Yeah. So in my system, there's like the main resolution mechanics is you roll two to six. Yeah. When you have a tag that applies and you can justify that in any way you want, you roll three to six, take highest. And if a consequence gets in the way, you roll three to six, take lowest. If you have a tag and a consequence, they can sell each other out. It's the classic advantage, disadvantage kind of system, right? Yeah. And I think when you take the fate point economy out, you have a, a lot more freedom to actually think about the aspect as yeah. tags that define your character in a creative way. And you can go nuts. Well, it, you know? it feels like by taking out the actual fate tokens, when you're thinking about a role, instead of starting with the token and saying, I know I want plus two on this role, how am I going to justify getting that plus two? You instead go to your fiction right away. You say, okay, what else is true about this situation? What is true about me? And how can I bring that into the scene instead of trying to like justify why you're getting a plus two on the role? Exactly. And that all goes back to that thing about the mechanics of fate a lot of times they get in the way of the narrative. Yeah. Because in the end it all it's all about getting that plus two or stacking those advantages. Yeah. The other really interesting thing to compare to fate points to me is belonging outside belonging games and like the dream is you, mm -hmm. dream apart system in particular, because they also have this token economy that fits that thing I was describing earlier really well, where like when you do something to put yourself in a bad situation, you get a token and then you can spend the token to succeed on doing something to get you out of a bad situation. But those games work super well for me. I think in part because they just say, we don't need the dice roll. Like you'll just succeed or you'll, you'll just fail. It's fine. Like we don't need to worry about all this like dice nonsense that like fate is pretending to have. But even with that, it feels so much better and more specific and more flavorful to me than Fate ever did. And I think a big part of that is because Dream Askew and Dream Apart, at least, come with such beautiful, intricate settings that are not like most of what else I see out there. With Fate, it's so easy to just end up playing Dungeons & Dragons with a different set of rules or to end up doing noir or, or cyberpunk or whatever, just straight down the middle or even Cthulhu kinds of stuff like niche genre straight down the middle. And these games that come in with like really specific, really unique settings, I think by themselves do a lot of work to help what otherwise could be a generic system by just being fucking weird and having great writing and having like a, a theme on Dice Exploder Season 2 a bunch here is going to be how the flavor level of the game is a mechanic. Like the cover of the book is a mechanic. Like all the vibes of the game help you go in a cool new direction. And some of these games other than Fate that are not generic systems are so good at that and shoring up the problems of Fate. I think that's perfectly put. I don't believe there's any separation at all. Yeah. Everything makes a game. Yeah. You know, you're playing a game. There's no difference. 
everything serves the same gaming experience. You're playing a single game, you're not playing mechanics and flavor, quote unquote. It's the same. You don't have a mind and a body. You don't have a soul and a body. You know, you are you. You're a singular being. It's not divided. Those divisions are, are arbitrary. Yeah. And I think those belonging outside, belonging games work exactly because what, what you said, first of all, because of the specificness, the mechanics are thought of inside the whole experience of the game. There's this whole setting, this whole other host of mechanics that are serving a specific experience, a specific theme that is supposed to be discussed, you know, a specific mm -hmm. vibe, feelings that they want to arise in the players. And the other thing is what we said before, the mechanics and the setting are one thing. They are not like there's this yeah. generic system that's being applied to a setting. Yeah. You know, they are thought as an organic whole. Yeah. I think that's the difference. You know, there's this belonging outside belonging family of games. Yeah. That, okay. There's lots of games that use the same system, but each one of them is its own unique game. You're yeah. not playing a B.O.B. game with a different flavor. Right. You're playing its own game. You're playing Wonder Home. I... You're playing Dream Skill. Also, what you also said, <laughs> it's not about earning a plus or a reroll. You just yeah. succeed. It's just, oh, okay, you get in trouble, you get out of trouble. It reminds me of the second edition of Show, where you have the pushes mm. and you just succeed you're you're good at that thing and you just yeah. push yourself and you you succeeded why not that's okay why why, why would you need to roll dice you're just good at that yeah yeah you know it's and you mark that and you go with your life yeah a thing i think the dream askew of belonging outside belonging games do that's really smart as a, a way to become less generic is instead of describing your character and ways you might go about doing things, they describe on the playbooks specific things that you do to get tokens or to spend tokens. So instead of saying, oh, I'm going to get a bonus on this because I have the manners of a goat, like, or I'm going to fail at this because I'm impolite and don't know how to act in polite society. They're just like, you get a token if you go and fuck up because you're bad at being in polite society. I think that's a really smart way out of the potential genericness of fate. Yeah. And are they ask you questions? Yeah. And they focus on how that character fits in a whole world of relationships. Yeah. With other characters and whole setting. Yeah. The other thing I want to come back to is just the writing in something like Dream Askew and also the writing in Here There Be Monsters, your game, because I think that the quality of the writing here is also something that goes such a long way to making these games feel less generic than Fate. Like in Fate, a lot of the times they'll 
like you just have to write your own aspects. And so you you are probably leaning more towards what is already working in your head, like the genre conventions that are already living in your head related to whatever this setting is. But when you come into Dream Askew and it's it's saying, choose two psychic gifts, shared dreams, memory harvesting, ghost echoes, unearthing, like I like it's it's the text of the game itself is provoking you to go somewhere new. And in Here There Be Monsters too, like I pulled all of the potential character types read like this to me, but I pulled the Rakshasi, which says, you're a skilled warrior and illusionist with a feral feline head. But what everyone remembers first is that you're a man eater. So are you? And and that like, I, I just have... I, I never would have gotten to that place by myself, you know? Like, I, even if I if I know the Rakshasa from the Dungeons & Dragons 3rd edition monster manual, like, as, like, a weird magic person with a tiger head, cool, I, whatever, we're, like, moving on. But when, when you have text like that that is provoking the reader and the player to go somewhere new, that is so valuable for a really simple and fate-like system okay so first of all thank you very much <laughs> that's exactly what i was trying to do provoke the reader i don't see myself precisely as a game designer mm. uh as i said i started as a screenwriter as things got bad here in brazil i started branching out <laughs> but i mostly i make things with words and images and sometimes those things are games yeah and i was trying to explore a theme in here there be monsters the theme of monstrosity as marginalization and vice versa and uh, i was trying to provoke the reader and the player and the gm you know, to ask themselves questions and I wasn't trying to say things, tell them how to play their characters. I yeah. was trying to offer them options, but I was very conscious that I had to offer them options because yeah. when you, I, I, I wanted to give them freedom, but I wanted to give them choice. Because I think that's one of the problems with fate. They give you a lot of freedom, but they don't give you a lot of choice. Mm. And that sometimes is a problem. Yeah. Because you don't know what to do with <laughs> Yeah. You don't know what to do with that. You don't have direction. And if you don't have direction, you don't you don't know what to do. Yeah. You just have a blank page. You just have a blank character sheet. Yeah. And how are you going to feel it? Most of the book is questions and ideas. Yeah. So that was my main goal, trying to provoke ideas and provoke thinking about how this experience of monstrosity, of feeling different from other people in any way. Yeah. I think that's very specific and at the same time very universal in a specific ways to each person yeah even a white cis straight male can have experienced feeling weird and out of place and 
you know, become monster sometimes. And I think in their own specific ways. Yeah. And that's why I couldn't and I wouldn't ever dare to limit that experience. I try to raise questions. Yeah. And that's something that when you try to go universal, you can sometimes miss. Totally. When you have a clear focus of what your game is about, you build everything around it. Yeah. The text, the layout, the mechanics, the flavor, quote unquote, the illustrations, the everything. Everything is a whole, you know? And yeah. I think that's something that is a difference between the belonging outside belonging games and fate. And that's a difference also between my game and fate, yeah. even if it's dealing that to fate. Yeah. Yeah. I think that provoking that bringing some specificity is among the most valuable things that you can do both as a game designer and just as an artist at large. If you're making something generic, I can make that at home. Like, I know the generic stuff. I'm culturally literate. I know how to do that at home. And the thing that I'm missing is new specificity. Exactly. If I don't have anything to say, why would I say anything at all? Totally. Like... Even D&D is a specific. Yeah. D&D tries to do something very specific. Yeah. Like raw D&D. Yeah. Okay, it branches out. It's used to do a lot of different stuff. But raw D&D is very specific. Yeah. Right? And when you play it um, to do that specific thing, it shines at its own thing. Right? Yeah. I don't quite enjoy it as I used to anymore, but it has its qualities for the thing that it's trying to do. It's specific. Yeah. The genericness is the problem, I think. Yeah. If I don't have anything to do, I, I don't. What are we even doing here then? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think universal universality is impossible. Totally. Centrism is impossible. Yeah. yeah. Right? You're just taking the side of blandness. Yeah. 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 A thing that I wrote about in one of my essays as a judge for the awards was how it has felt to me like the deeper I get into the RPG hobby is that the scarce resource of the hobby is not new systems and new games. It's new settings, it's new modules, it's new flavor. There's a lot of systems out there, and a lot of them are describing the same kinds of game and genre. And that's great. I love that that exists. I love all kinds of bespoke games that come out that have systems that are really tailor-made to whatever the thing is that they're doing, too. But the last thing I need is another generic system without an idea inside of it of a cool story for me to tell or, or a cool world for me and my friends to go play around in. That's that's what I'm looking for in a game. 
Yeah, I think that's that's what games can do best. Hmm. That's where I'm naive and and uh, all hopeful about the power of gaming <laughs> and all that. Yeah. They have this particular ability of letting you experience something in a peculiar way yeah. that no other medium has. And that's why, for example, there's so many trans people that play games. Yeah. So many queer people that play games because, because they allow you to be someone that you're not. To try on a new identity. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's so valuable. Yeah. I think <laughs> when I want to try on a new identity, I don't need a new empty closet. I need a bunch of new identities to put into my existing closet that I can try on. You need things that resonate with you. Yeah. You don't need your own already existing assumptions. Yeah. You need things that make you think or feel yeah or have fun at least but but that resonate with you in some way yeah not something empty that you bring your own stuff to fill totally that's what i think at least i'm not trying to be prescriptive <laughs> but i have strong opinions yeah that feels like a great place to end to me do you have any final thoughts you want to talk about with fate or anything else you want to say final words I think fate doesn't work for me anymore, but I still think it's worth a try. Mm -hmm. Especially yeah. if you're used to more traditional games. Yeah. It's really worth a try. I agree. I think it's a worthwhile experience to at least play it once. I feel like it is a fairly shallow experience, but that you can learn a lot while you have not gotten to the end of it. Yeah. It says something that even if I don't like it, it has influenced me yeah. so much. Totally. Totally. I mean, it was my gateway to story games, effectively. Like, it's it's a really interesting yeah. game. Yeah. Well, Wendy, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for asking me here. It's been such a lovely conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again to Wendy for being here. Before I go, I've got my own game about monstrous bodies that I want to plug. This Heart Within Me Burns is a For the Queen hack about a fantasy adventuring party where one of you has been cursed and you're all traveling to a place where hopefully they can get that curse removed. But uh, good luck with that. There's a digital version on storysynth.com, or you can find it on my itch page at S. Dunewald. That's also where you can find me on Blue Sky, Twitter, and Dice.Camp. Wendy can be found on Twitter at W-E-N underscore D-I underscore Y-U. And you can buy here, there, Be Monsters, and the rest of her games on itch at W-E-N-D-I-Y dot itch dot I-O. Or print copies at usa.soulmuppet-store.co.uk. There's a link in the show notes. I cannot recommend this game enough. There's a Dice Exploder Discord. Come and talk about the show if you want to. Our logo was designed by Sporgory. Our theme song is Sunset Bridge by Purely Grey. And, as always, thanks to you for listening. See you next time.